Where's the hands? That was here last week. We had 113 people in attendance last week. That is our biggest number to date. But the testimony of that is the fact that I wasn't even here. That's a testimony. Because uh, you probably maybe know or have been in churches. I have. But when the pastor's gone, that's an off day. That's an absentee day. I'll just I'll, I'll mail it in today. And um, so I just want to thank you so much for being here and supporting. When we have a guest minister in, uh, I value every single person we put on this stage and behind this pulpit. Don't, don't ever think that I'm just trying to get a filler. Ever. I'm never doing that. I'd rather shut it down than just try to find someone to squeeze in. I'm pretty hot. You can bring me down a little bit. Um, but uh, Josh Clay is anointed. He's a great friend of ours, wonderful friend of ours for a long time, Josh and Danny Clay. And, and I just heard raving reviews from last week's service. And um, so I just want to thank you for being here in support of that, being with him. He had a phenomenal time. The first thing he told me was, Pastor Mark, it was easy. It was easy. And I don't ever want to be difficult for a guest minister to get up here and try to deliver the word. But when we've got such a body that's just drawing and pulling on the anointing and the word, you're, you're drawing it out of them. It's like I tell you all the time, suck them dry. Leave them with nothing left in the tank. They need to leave everything right here at Anchor Faith. And so I want to thank you for being here and being a part of that. John chapter 10 and verse 1, we're going to talk about the voices we follow. The voices we follow, I guess the title of my message is Following Familiar. Following Familiar. And in verse 1 it says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You know, the, the, the enemy has not changed uh, principle. He has not changed the pattern all the way from Genesis chapter 3. We even saw this at the beginning of the year. That he's sneaky, right? He's cunning. He's tricky. And he's looking for another way in. He's looking for another way in. Young people in this room, he's looking for another way in. And he will enter any door you give him. He will enter any door you give him. We have the responsibility of opening and closing doors. It's like I tell Camden all the time. Shut the door behind you. Close the door behind you. Come in the door, boom, throw it open and just run on in and do whatever. You forgot something. The door is wide open. Every bug in South Georgia is now in our house because of the three seconds you left the door open. Like, like seriously, we'll, I'll close the door in between people. I'll stand by the door and here comes Camden. I'll open it, let him in, close it, slam it on my wife, let her in, let her walk in and Slam it back, man. I don't mess around with mosquitoes, gnats, bugs, flies, horse flies, or any of the like. They belong outside, not in my house. So everyone, look at your neighbor say, close the door. we got to close the door. But he who enters by the door, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Guys, if you, this is an easy way to identify if something belongs in your life or not. How did it get in there? Did it sneak its way in? Did it come in through a back door? Did it find an entrance somewhere uh, that was left un unguarded, uh, wide open for them to come in? Or did they come and knock and say, hey, can I come in? Because Jesus will never barge his way into your life. He will wait for the invitation. He'll wait for you to welcome him in. But see, pornography barges its way into your life. 
It doesn't wait for you to invite. Alcohol will tear the door off and come through the seams and come, come through the cracks that you leave in. It doesn't care about an invitation or am I welcome here. I've seen so many people in, in, while pastoring bound up by stuff that they hate. They hate it. I don't want it. It's like, you know, Paul over in Romans uh, chapter 7. The thing that I do, I hate. And the thing that I want to do, I don't do. It's this common, it, it, it's the, the common battle that we all face. And we're bound by stuff that we don't like. We're bound by stuff that we wish we could get rid of. We're bound by stuff that we wish we could put down. I hate looking at this every night. I hate watching that type of show. I, I, I hate having these kind of friends. I hate uh, 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 being addicted or bound to this fill in the blank. And so he's identifying here very clearly. You can tell if it belongs there by the route it took to get into your life. And we see this all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. We see this in Genesis chapter 3. Man had open access to God. God never barged his way in. In fact, even after man sinned, did God just show up in the middle of everything and just bust in and say, what are you doing in here? No, he didn't do that, did he? He said, where are you, Adam? He even gave Adam the opportunity to come to the door and say, are we going to have a conversation? Because I'm not going to barge in here and find out what you're doing behind that door. But the devil didn't. The devil crept in another way, an alternate route, right? That's what that tree was. That tree was a symbol of another way to access something that God never designed us to access. He's sneaky. He's tricky. He has to be. He has to be. Because you would say no to blatant evil, wouldn't you? You would say no if it said, hello, I'm evil and I'm going to destroy your life. Let me in. Uh, No. Shut the door. But if he can find the crack, if he can find the crack. But look what he goes on to say. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens. That means you've got to give access. You've got to give access. We don't just let anybody in. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. That means he knows them. That means he's got a personal relationship. He calls them by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Thank God we have a God that's going before us, right? He's already been where he's taking you. Nobody wants a guide touring you or giving you a tour of something or taking you somewhere. And it's been their first time too. We're going to learn it together. I don't know what's around this corner, but we're going to find out. No, I want someone that says... I got this. Don't worry. It might even seem a little creepy or weird, but we're going to walk right on through. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to be a problem. No, our God goes before us and the sheep follow him. Why? Look, I find this interesting. I find this interesting. And the sheep follow him for they know. Everyone say no. For they know his voice. They know his voice. They know. Now, first we saw the sheep hear his voice. But what I want to show you today is hearing is not enough. There has to be a relationship with what you hear. There has to be a relationship. There has to be a knowing. 
We already know that the sheep hear his voice, but the reason the sheep follow his voice is because they know his voice. Why? Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. It doesn't say that they don't hear the voice of strangers. It says that they don't know the voice of strangers. In essence, we can, we can come to this principle. We can come to this conclusion. It's not the voice that you hear that determines if you follow. It's the voice that you know that determines if you follow. Now, why is this important? Jesus, in this incidence here, in these couple chapters before and after, he, he's, he's basically trying to help the Jews understand, I'm, I'm the shepherd of the sheep, and you can trust me, and I care for you, and I love you, and I want you to follow me. But we'll find out here in a little bit, they didn't grab a hold of that. And, and we don't get but one more chapter further after this chapter, John chapter 10 and John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, does one of the greatest miracles of his entire ministry. You think people would just be raving, just saying, man, let's follow this guy. And that was where they decided we're killing him. We're going to take this guy out. We can't take we can't handle this anymore. He ministered. He taught. We, we know that he went into the synagogue, went about all the, the villages teaching preaching the kingdom of God. Why didn't more people follow him? Why didn't more people go his way? Why didn't more people grab a hold of what he was saying? Why was he always having to say, you have ears, but you don't hear. And you have eyes, but you don't see. Why is he always having to identify this? It's because it's not simply the voice that you hear that you follow it's the voice you get to know. He uses an interesting word in this passage right here. He says, uh, they will by no means follow a stranger. Now, for the longest time when I read this, I automatically deduced, I automatically came to the conclusion, the devil is the stranger, right? The devil is the stranger, and we're not going to follow the devil because his voice is strange. But I quickly learned that this word stranger is not applied to an individual or a specific organism or, or a, a, a being or person. Stranger identifies the voice that is unfamiliar to you. Stranger simply means the voice that you don't know as well as the other voice. Follow me here. Follow me here. A stranger simply means that I don't recognize or perceive or have a relationship with that voice. I mean, right now, if my son and I were at Target and somebody started calling him, Maybe even knew his name. Let's just throw that out there. Maybe they even start yelling Camden. Maybe they heard me in the grocery store and I was calling him Camden. And so somebody else starts uh, 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 calling his name. Hey, Camden. Hey, Camden, come here. 
you know he's not going to follow. Why? Because the voice is unfamiliar. But if I call him, I mean, he doesn't even have to see me. I could be on the next aisle over. He could be lost and crying, and I could just say, Camden, and he's going to stop in his tracks. Because he knows my voice, not just because he hears. I mean, if we could simply reduce to hearing, to following, we would all be in great shape, wouldn't we? I mean, we come here every Sunday and we hear the word and we hear the word through worship and we hear God speaking to us and we hear God you know, tugging on us a little bit. And if it was just hearing that automatically caused, caused us to respond and follow him, we wouldn't have an issue. But now we learn that there's got to be some familiarity to the voice. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you never develop a relationship You won't respond to the voice even when you hear it. There's got to be a knowing. There's got to be a knowing. You know, the the, the Spirit showed me this, you know, several years ago. Again, pertaining to this word stranger. He, He asked me this question. He said, many... He really more made a statement, but it it caused me to ponder. He said, many of my people have made me the stranger. And there are other voices that are more familiar to them than mine. The ones that, that come up and access from the side gate or over the walls or the little cracks that we leave. And the Holy Spirit, he, he told me, he said, my voice is the one that's unfamiliar to many of my people. My, I, I'm the stranger. In this passage, I'm the stranger. Because they're not familiar with my voice. They don't recognize my voice. I mean, I'm sure all of us at some point, some point in our walk with the Lord, in our spiritual growth, our spiritual walk with the Lord, we've made the statement, God, I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know when you're speaking. I want to hear you speak to me. Why? Because clarity, we believe that clarity automatically yields following. We believe if you just give me clear communication, if you if he would just send an angel and tear down my walls and wake me up in the middle of the night. And 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 if you would just send that person into my path. But I'm here to tell you today, the Bible proves otherwise. The the Bible proves Jonah was spoken to directly by God, and he went the absolute opposite direction. The Bible shows us many times where people heard the voice of God, knew that it was God speaking to them, and still made the wrong choice, still had the wrong response. Because they didn't have a relationship with the voice. There's a difference when, when I talk to Camden and when maybe some of you talk to Cam, and I'm going to tell you right now, because he told me the other day, he said, I'm shy. And I'm shy, and that means that I'm not going to talk to people. He told me that. He told me point blank. If he tries to talk, if you try to talk to him, unless you have developed a relationship, if you try to talk to him, he'll most likely be back here somewhere. And I'll have to grab him by his arm and bring him out, and I'll have to say, you first say hi to the number but he told me point blank the other day. He said, Dad, I'm shy. And so that means that I don't have to talk to people. 
Okay. Well, I guess you'd better develop a relationship if you're going to have a conversation with Camden. There's a lot of wisdom there. I can just tell you it's, it's worth it. Amen. But, but, but notice here that, that, that he's stating that it's the voice that is familiar that determines your response, not just the one that you hear, not just the, not just the one that is, is speaking. They will by no means follow a stranger, verse 5, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of, of, of strangers. And I find it interesting that the very next verse, verse 6, says this. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. It's almost like the very next verse is proving out what he just got done saying. It's almost like he's looking at him and saying, see, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? And then they go on. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you. I am the door of the sheep. He's getting a little clearer here. All who have ever come before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in, go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. We've heard that voice. We've heard that verse over and over and over. And, and this is showing us the motivation of each voice. The enemy comes in through cracks and side doors and climbs over walls because he wants to steal and he wants to kill. And he wants to destroy. I'm not here to tell you this morning that he or she, he's here to do one of the three. I'm, I'm here to tell you that anything he pr- brings into your life and produces into your life, he wants to steal and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy. That is his only motivation uh, for existence. That is the only reason why he shows up in your life. He never wants blessing to you. He never wants prosperity to you. He never wants good for you. He wants to see you down and out at the bottom, run down with no hope and, and no restoration. That's all he cares about. Jesus said so. But then Jesus said, but I show up because I want you to have life. And I want you to have life overflowing. One version says. Overflowing. That means that it's so much life that you can't even contain it. You have to give it away to someone else. And that's why I come to the door and I knock. Didn't he say that one time? He said, I've come to the door. He's knocking. He's asking. He's seeking you out. He's not going to come knock the door in. He's not going to come in through a back door. Well, they got the front door locked. Maybe I can get in over here. He's not going to scream over everything else. But guys, here's the issue today. Here's the issue today. We have a hard time finding a voice that is more familiar because we have so many other voices vying for our attention. See, this, this, this passage is only more relevant today than it's ever been. Because now we have cell phones, and now we have Facebook, and now we have 
friends galore. We have friends upon friends upon friends, and, and, and we want everybody to see everything that we're doing. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I'll go through Facebook and Instagram, and I just want to ask the question, do you have a personal photographer that follows you around everywhere in life that takes these pictures? I don't understand. How, many, how, how can you have so many pictures accumulated of yourself? Selfies. We have a word for it. I, I don't get it. Like, do you just you hand your phone off to strangers and say, here, take a picture? I mean, I mean, literally, if you look at the scenarios and the context and the, the environments that these pictures are in, some of these pic- people are in their own homes with their kids. And it's not like this. Somebody was, was brought into their home and handed a camera, and somebody said, take a picture of me. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. How in the world are you in this? No wonder. We have the difficulty we have hearing the voice of God. And here's the thing that I've learned. It's the voice that I hear that is the voice that I know that is the voice that I follow. If you have a following problem, it's going to revert back to a hearing problem. Every time. Following Jesus begins with knowing his voice. Following Jesus begins, I'm not telling you to unfollow. I'm telling you to give priority to. I want us to give priority to. I know, you know, in this church we can tend to be a little more real, and I hope that's okay. Because I, I'm not here to sugarcoat, and I'm not here to pat you on the back and say, well, dear, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. God's been trying to get your attention for 25 years, but you've been bound by an addiction that you're unwilling to give up. And that voice is more familiar than the voice of Jesus. That's bottom line. When that thing calls you, you're there. You run to it. When you're checking out the grocery store and you see it right there and, and, and you know, man, I need to break this habit. I, I don't need to buy that. I don't need to be spending my money. But when it calls, you answer. You're in the middle of your day and you feel one of those anxiety moments and you feel one of those things. Oh, man, I just I got to put another dip in or I just got to smoke another. Oh, man, I really need a beer tonight. I mean, tonight's just been if you only knew the day that I had. And when it calls, you answer. But when Jesus calls, when Jesus says, I need you to go talk to that person because they need me. I need, you to, I need you to buy that person's groceries in front of them. But the thing on the aisle speaks louder than the Jesus inside of you. Maybe I should have titled it Unfollowing Voices. You know, you can do that on Facebook. You can hit the unfollow. I hear people say that stuff sometimes. I, I just, man, their posts are always, you just complain about other people's posts. Unfollow. I mean, I, I saw someone the other day made a comment on someone's Instagram picture and was, was complaining about it or, you know, saying something about it. And the person the, that had the account responded and said, nobody is forcing you to follow my account. You, you are welcome at any time. To unfollow this account. Maybe we need to do that with some things in our lives. Maybe there are some things that we have have come in through the cracks. They have climbed over the walls. They have come in through back doors. That we've given access to. 
And Jesus is standing at the door. Shut out. Oh, I hear Jesus. I hear I hear him talking. I hear him calling. I, yeah, but are we responding? Because responding comes from knowing. Camden responds to me when I call his name in a grocery store out of hundreds of people because he knows my voice. There is a response to strangers. The verse tells us that they will run. When's the last time you ran from a voice? When's the last time something tried to call you and you ran away from it because it was a stranger? You did not know it. You heard it. It may have even been a voice that you what used to be familiar. It may have, you know, I, I've, I've lost some good friends. I've lost some real good friends. Because they listened to voices that at one time they had learned to unfollow. But it called one day. And rather than running from it, they ran back to it. And when they were operating in grace, didn't know Jesus before, and, and God was having grace and mercy on their lives, but then they came out of a lifestyle, they came to follow Jesus, they learned some things that they're not supposed to be doing, and they did something and, and, and gave in to something that they had always done before, and it killed them. The grace was no longer there. You were operating in ignorance before. Now you know Jesus. Now you know this isn't right. Now you know this is wrong. Now you know we don't need to be living this kind of lifestyle. Now you know we don't need to be drinking this. And it will cost you your life. The wrong response will cost you your life. It will cost you relationships. It will cost you time. There are strangers and there are familiars. And we've got to learn to get in uh, 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 practice of becoming familiar with the voice of Jesus, recognizing the voice of Jesus. He goes on to say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, verse 9, he will be saved. We'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Tell me one time the enemy, the devil, has been willing to lay down his life for you. No, he says the one that comes to the door and knocks, he's willing to lay it down for you. The one, the thief, that comes to steal, he wants to take from you. He wants to take your life. Jesus is saying, I'm willing to put my life down for your life. It's the difference. A hireling... He who is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And am known by my own. Not only, guys, do we get to know Jesus, he gets to know us. Oh, but, but Jesus knows everybody. Jesus knows everybody. Jesus knows the whole world. Jesus knows everybody that he's created. Really? Matthew chapter 7 tells me otherwise. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name? 
cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. Verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never what? Knew. I never knew you. Oh, but I thought Jesus knows everybody. I thought Jesus knows. See, this word know is a little different than the word we know to be known. You know? See, Facebook's ruined knowing for all of us. Oh, I know them. No, you don't. No, you don't. This word know is the same word that's used in the Greek and the Hebrew for uh, an intimate relationship between a husband and wife when it said, and the man knew his wife. Oh, it's a whole other level of knowing. And Jesus is saying, there will be those that thought they knew me, but I didn't know them. That takes it a little further. If I say, how many of you know Jesus? Hands will go up. How many of you, Jesus knows you? Now we're another ballgame. I don't know about you, but I want to be known by Jesus. I want to know him, just like Paul said, and the power of his resurrection. I don't want to just hear his voice. I don't want it to just be uh, an acquaintance. I don't want it to be a passerby, something that comes and goes. I want an intimate relationship so when he speaks... I know. I get asked a lot, you know, even from young people, teenagers and young adults. I want to know, I want to know the will of God. How, how can I know the will of God for my life? I want to know the will of God. I want to know his will. Why? Because they're, they're in stages where they're, they're, they're choosing course of life. And many of us, you know, older, we've, we've, oh, we're in the course of life. Whether you like it or not, you're in it. Some of us have said, well, I don't like it, but I'm going I'm to go with it. You know, what's, what's the point? But these guys, they're, they're, they're at a prime opportunity where they can choose the course. But they want to choose the course based upon God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny for them. And my answer is always the same. You won't know his will until you know him. It's funny how you get to learn what people like and dislike as you get to know them. Right? I know what my wife likes and doesn't like. I know the things that get her going and I think and I know the things that you know what get away from me. I know what she likes to eat, I know what she likes to wear, I know uh, what kind of perfume she likes. I, I, I know what she likes to watch on TV. I know the things she's enjoying. You know why? Because I got to know her. She didn't fill out a survey for me before we got married and said, here's all the things that I like and dislike so you can know them up front. Now, I'm sure many of us husbands wish that we had that, but I'm telling you, the best way to learn is the hard way. Get to know them and you'll figure it out. There's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of uh, taking her out to restaurants and find out she hates seafood, and I love seafood, so that was disappointing. So I said, well, I love it, so you can sit there and hang out. 
We can talk. You can talk while I eat. Yeah, a lot of trial and error. Buying her shoes that she doesn't like and buying her clothes. But you know what else I found out? When I, when I did something she didn't like, I quickly learned what she does like. Because I know her. I know my wife. So I know what she likes. I know her will. You don't, you, you don't want to know God outside of his relationship. You don't want to just know his will and his purpose outside of knowing him. Because then you turn into an Adam and Eve. Let me see how much knowledge I can accumulate without God. Mm, That's dangerous. Picking fruit off of a tree that he didn't design you to pick fruit off of. Still gave you knowledge. Their eyes were open. What the devil said was true. Your eyes will be open. You'll be just like God, knowing good and evil. And did they not? Sure they did. Saw stuff they never saw before. But the wrong way. Acquired it without even knowing God. God is not wanting to be absent from your walk with him. Amen. When you uh, go down to verse uh, 14. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And the Amplified, Jimmy, you don't have it in the Amplified, but I'm just going to read it. It says, I am the good shepherd. And I know without any doubt those who are my own and my own know me, watch this, and have a deep personal relationship with me. That's what the Amplified says. A deep personal relationship with me. I don't want to just know about God. I just don't, I don't want to know about stuff about God and, and, you know, characteristics and qualities. I want to know him. I want a deep personal relationship is what Jesus is saying here. This is what he's saying. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and I may, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. You skip on down to verse 26. He says, You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. You're seeing the pattern again. They hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. But here's the thing I want you to see. Knowing precedes Hearing. Knowing precedes hearing. That might sound weird. Don't you have to hear it first before you know it? But what I want you to see is what Jesus is, is trying to get these particular individuals to see. These particular individuals are having a problem. These particular individuals, these Jews, are having an issue because they're hearing 
and, and, and they even ask the question. I think it's up here in verse, uh, verse 20, verse 19, verse 19. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these things. Many of them said he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? He just got done healing a blind man before this. Even the people, as Jesus is speaking in person, they're having a division. This guy says he's the Christ. This guy says he's the son of God. Can you believe this guy? He's got a demon. He's crazy. He's mad. He's insane. And then others are saying, well, you know, I I don't know, man. I mean, you know, he's doing all these miracles and stuff. I, I think he might be God. There's a, there's a division. There's a separation right here. And so then they end up asking him in the next verse, I believe it is, verse uh, 24. That was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. The Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Tell us. Why don't you just make it clear? And this is when he answers. This is when he answers. I told you, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you don't believe me because you're not of my sheep. He's saying, you're not following because you're not hearing me. You're not following because you don't know me. You're... I could tell you as plain as day. I could make it as clear as you want. You want me to tell you plainly? I'll tell you plainly. But you won't follow me anyways because you don't know me. See these men back here? Peter and John and Thaddeus, Bartholomew. These guys, Matthew. They follow me because they know me. They didn't follow me to get to know me. He says, you will follow when you get to know. We've got to get this turned around, guys. Well, if God would just give me a direction, if God would just point it out to me. No, the reason you're not following is because you don't know him. You don't know him. You don't have a deep, personal relationship. He says here that following will happen as a response to knowing me. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. John's identifying this, making the connection between knowing and doing. Chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That, that statement right there, I mean, not sinning, not sinning, don't sin, don't disobey what the Father's telling you to do. And he says, I'm writing this to you so that you can live this kind of lifestyle. So many believers have written off a living a lifestyle of not sinning. Like it's impossible. But would God ask us to do something that we couldn't do? It's possible. It's possible to live a life beyond sin. Outside of the control and, and the bondage and the slavery of sin, Romans chapter 4 tells us. Romans chapter 5. 
Romans chapter 6, Paul says, should we continue sinning so that grace may abound? He says, may it not be. I don't have to live bound to sin. I don't have to live bound to disobeying my father. So John's writing, he's saying, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, by this, we know that we know him. How? We keep his commandments. Not because he's my friend on Facebook. Not because I hear his voice. Right? Not because uh, we have a casual relationship or because I came down to an altar one day or, or, you know, I prayed that prayer when I was a child. No, we know that we know him because we keep his commandments. We know, he says. And he's not talking about other people. Other people will know that you know Jesus because of how you live. But he says, if you want assurance that you know Jesus, you don't have to look any further than your lifestyle and your actions. Am I keeping his commands? Because following him is a result of knowing if I'm following his commands, if I'm doing his word, if I'm living his the kingdom life, if I've excelled from living a life just under the bondage and slavery of sin, and I'm living above that, and now I'm being a light in the midst of darkness. Now my life is shining where everybody else is blowing it. I'm not blowing it, and I'm able to help people see the way out from their addictions and their slavery and their bondage and, and, and all the things that's keeping them bound. I can help you out because my lifestyle tells you I know him. I'm telling you right now, they'll make fun of you. They'll persecute you. Probably not even to the degree that the apostles and disciples were persecuted. So what if they laugh? So what if you stand up in the middle of your class and say, no, I'm not going to talk about that teacher that way. And you guys need to stop too. You might even get punched in the face for it. It just puts you in a good group with Jesus and Peter and Paul and all those guys. But guess what's going to happen? This is what's going to happen, Ty, when, 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 their, when their family breaks down. And, 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 they, and there's a sickness going through their family. They say, Ty, my whole family's sick, man. I, I don't know how to get out of here. But I, I think you know Jesus. Can you help me know Jesus? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Who cares if they punched you in the face last week? Who cares if they ridiculed you and mocked you in front of the entire school? Who cares if they tried to kick you off the campus because you did not want to back down uh, from standing up for Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God? See, there's going to be a time in your life that you're going to need to know that you know Jesus. But there's also going to be a time in these last days, guys, that the world's going to need to know that we know Jesus too. 
You're not going to be able to be a closet Christian any longer. You're not going to be able to sit behind and say, well, I know him. I go to church with my parents every other weekend or, or uh, you know, I, I open my Bible when I need help or I pray, you know, I, I know where to turn if I'm having a sickness or a financial problem. I know when to pray. No, I need to know that I 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 have a deep personal relationship. That's what this is about. Is his voice familiar? Do we recognize it? He said, these people, it's just like Isaiah prophesied. They have ears to hear. They don't hear. They have eyes to see. They don't see. They don't perceive. They don't perceive. They don't know. We got to know that we know. We got to know that we know. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I don't know what voices have become familiar in your life. It may be pornography. When it calls, you run to it. It may be alcohol. It may be tobacco. It may be a certain relationship that you keep running to that you know is harmful and painful to you, but you keep running back to it. Maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe a husband or a wife. Maybe individual at work. Maybe a certain magazine. There might be somebody in here you're dealing with anxiety and, and, and fear, but you watch the news every night. See, what we've got to understand is that the voices that we give ourselves to will produce results in our lives whether we want them to or not. Let's get in tune with his voice. The one that's knocking at the door. He's not going to tear himself in. He's not going to knock the door down. He's not going to find a crack. uh, Jesus is not saying, well, if they'll just give me one little crack, if they'll just uh, give me one little sliver, It's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, they're going to have to open the door to me. They're going to have to open it. But man, if they'll open it, I'll bring them into green pasture. They'll come in and out and they will have so much resource, so much blessing, so much freedom, so much liberty. They won't even know how much freedom there is. They won't even know. They won't even be able to comprehend because I'm coming to bring life in life more abundantly. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, every person under the sound of my voice. We all struggle with voices. We all struggle with voices that are pulling on us, tugging on us, and clouding your voice. We don't want your voice to become unfamiliar. When you speak and say, you don't need to go there, we want to respond and listen. When you speak and you say that that the relationship isn't good for you, you need to cut that off, we want to respond appropriately. When, when you speak and you say, I need you to bless this person with this, we want to respond. But, Father, we cannot respond to the voice that is unfamiliar. Your word tells us that the stranger's voice we will not follow. We will run far from it. May you not be the stranger's voice in our lives. 
may you be familiar. May we recognize and perceive when you're speaking. May we know clearly beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is the Lord calling. This is the Lord speaking. This is what God wants me to do. Father, I thank you that we will invest in our relationship. We will invest in knowing you. Not just knowing about you, but knowing you. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. I thank you. We'll walk out of here from this place. The greater urgency, a greater intentionality about our lives that says, I need to know him more. Any person in this room that is desiring to hear you more, may they change their desire so they can know you more. And I thank you, you will speak, you will make your way clear, and we will honor you in our actions and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.